Good morning. Good morning. Wow, that was really, I mean, nobody said it. That's fine. Whatever. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving uh, wherever you were and with whoever you were with. Uh, I know still people are still traveling. We're still praying for them. Um, but yeah, I hope it was good. This morning we're going to wrap up our series that we've been in for the last several weeks called Before All Things. Uh, we've been spending some time in Colossians, and I just keep reading this at the, the beginning every time I preach through this series, so don't get bored with it today. It's the last time, but I'm going to read it again. It's Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 17. It says, He, that's Christ, Christ is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And then in Colossians 1.18, it says, He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And then Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so we've said it for weeks and weeks and weeks now. He is before all things. Jesus is before all things in time, in preeminence, by being from the beginning, by being the first one raised from the dead, He's before all things. And so the call we've been making throughout this series is for us as a church and for us individually and together to purposely seek Him, to purposely place Jesus before all things in our lives. We're asking the question, like, if He's before all things in our lives, how should we be marked by Him? How would our lives be marked by Him? How, how will we know that He is actually first among us, that we are actually putting Him before all things? What should we look like at Redemption Church if that's true about us? And this letter that Paul wrote, it's not a letter to an individual, right? It's not a letter to an individual, it's a letter to a church. Paul doesn't say in that uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 2, to set your mind on things above, singular, he says to set your minds on things that are above. It's written to a people. It's not written to an individual. So for us, the question is, if we're marked by Jesus, what would this family of believers, what would this community, what would this church, this body of Christ look like if Christ is at the center for us? How do we measure that? If Jesus is before all things, what do we look like? Let's pray together before we move on. Our Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this week, a time uh, where we set aside uh, days to be with our family and to eat together and to give thanks. Uh, I pray that as we do that as Christians, we're, we're very intentional about setting aside time to thank you for all that you are and all that you've done for us, God. I pray that we would be thankful people all the time, grateful and generous people because of what we've been given in and through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for this morning as we sing together and as we preach the Word and uh, as we teach kids in the back uh, Your Word and as we give together and we take communion together and all that we do together this morning, I pray that Your Gospel would be proclaimed in word and deed, that we would remember Jesus Christ first and foremost, that we would be proclaiming Christ first and foremost to one another. And I pray that You would open our hearts Lord, to hear what each one of us needs to hear from you, and that you would say what you need said this morning. 
We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, Claire and I were sitting uh, on the couch at night watching Netflix. And uh, no, it wasn't Netflix because it was a commercial. I'm about to tell you about a commercial. I don't know what channel it was. Maybe it was Hulu. I don't know. Uh, anyways, we're watching TV. I don't remember the show, but a commercial comes on. It's for Amazon, I think. Amazon or some robot machine that you set in your house. They creep me out. It's one of those. Anyways, the commercial, maybe you've seen it. It's about like a mom and a dad and their baby. The baby's real young. The mom's got to go to work. I think it's like her first day back to work after having the baby. And so the dad is at home with the baby for the day. And so thank God they have Alexa, you know, on the coffee table so he can manage uh, throughout the day. And so it's reminding him to do different things like go get the dry cleaning, change the baby, feed the baby, whatever. They're out and about all day doing the thing. Come home at the end of the day, he's exhausted and tired, and he's got the baby, and he sits down on the couch. And uh, Alexa or Echo or Siri or Google or whatever robot he had in his house uh, spoke up with a reminder and said, Hey, remember, you're doing a good job, and I love you. That's crazy weird, right? Am I? The robot on the coffee table just said, hey, you're doing a good job. I love you, right? Now, obviously, this is a reminder set by the mom that, uh, to, to tell him this, that you're doing a good job and that, you know, I love you. But really, the robot said it, and it really creeped me out in the morning. In the moment, I felt like all kinds of weird stuff about how this robot was expressing emotions. And then the guy's like all warm and fuzzy about it on the couch. Like, oh, that robot loves me, you know? And I just couldn't help, I was going like, I turned to Claire, I was like, man, what if in the future, because they're brainwashing us, Claire, they're brainwashing us, what if in the future, only, you only hear I love you from robots, right? Like, what if we just start passing our emotions through Siri and Alexa? Maybe you think I'm crazy, and that's just a little too far gone, but I'm not done. Hold on, because maybe I can still convince you. Because 15 minutes after that, not 15 minutes after that, the next commercial break comes on, and another ad comes on, and this time it's for a toy robot, okay? It looks cute. It's all like beep, boop, pop, pop, whatever, you know, being a robot, and the kid's playing and giggling, but you can program the robot to say things to your kid. That was the point of this particular brand of robot. And so the kid hits the button, and the robot says, I love you, right? And the baby's like smiling and giggling. He's got the warm fuzzies, and the dad's in the background just so proud that he made the robot tell his son that it loves him, right? I mean, I feel like, I felt like I was taking crazy pills. Like, what is going on? Why all of a sudden does the TV want these robots to love me and want me to love them? I mean, the dad's all proud. He didn't tell him he loved him. The robot said it. It was weird. It kind of got me a little scared about the future. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe my imagination's running wild, but just stay with me for a second. Because my point here really is that, like, what kind of world would it be, just bear with me, what kind of world would it be if this is how we all communicated our love to each other one day? Like, what if that's the road we're going down? Like, we just keep going down this road, we all get brainwashed by Alexa machines, and, uh, yeah, just imagine that, and then, what if this is the, the way, the only way we hear, like, love communicated to us in the future, like, 
Maybe that's not going to happen. I know I'm crazy. But can we just agree, even if it's a crazy idea, that if that was the case, if one day we were only hearing I love you from robots, wouldn't we be missing out on something? Wouldn't we be missing out on something? That wouldn't we all agree that there's something more beautiful about looking each other in the eyes and saying I love you than there is about hearing it from Alexa? There's something more beautiful about holding your child and telling them I love you than there is about programming a robot to tell them, right? Yes, we agree. Good. Amen. All right. The answer is yes. We'd be missing out on something more beautiful, something that's better for us. I mean, eventually, if we went down that road, this is getting like sci-fi crazy stuff, but if we went down that road, we wouldn't even know another way. Like kids would grow up thinking they had it pretty good if they came from a home where their robots tucked them in at night and kissed them on the head and told them they were, they were loved every day, right? Eventually, nobody would remember what it felt like to be hugged or to be told, I love you, by a parent. They'd be missing out on something, right? I know it's crazy world. I'm just telling you they're making commercials for it, so maybe. But the truth is, nobody in that situation would know they wouldn't even know what they're missing. They'd be missing out on something, but you wouldn't even know what you're missing out on. So we'd be missing out big time. And this morning, I want us to notice something that I think this broken world that we live in has led us to miss out on. Like we've been programmed and reprogrammed so many times that there is something that we're missing out on like that, that we maybe don't even know that we're missing out on it. It's something that's rich. It's something that's beautiful. But the world is just like brainwashed us, right? Enough that we don't know how much we're missing out on it anymore. We maybe don't even know what it looks like. We may consciously or unconsciously be convinced that we don't even need it and that we have more of it than, what, than we really do. That's something. That's something that we might be missing out on is community. Real, life-giving community that's found in Christ. Real life giving community that's found in Christ. Where like the one another's of Scripture are active and where we're all growing together in Christ, right? Now I know it's like Thanksgiving week. And so you probably just had some community around a table somewhere. And you're here this morning, so we got some community going on right now. So we might be tempted to believe that we've already got community down, that we're doing the thing and that we've got all we need. And it's not like there's something more out there. But, but what I want us to see is that there might still be more to it. And that we might be missing out on something else that's there, something that's here. Because the community that we're built for, that Jesus, before all things, designed us for, that He created us for, and that we're being reconciled to through Jesus Christ, that kind of community is its not just fellowshipping with some people who believe the same things that you believe, right? And who like the same kind of worship music that you like. That's not community. That's not the whole picture of community. Community is a life in fellowship with each other, life in community with a diverse group of people who have been united by Jesus and who are setting their collective minds on Him and on things above, right? So as I've been thinking about what this church should look like if we have Jesus before all things, if we're really marked by the work of Christ, I think that this is one of the most visible signs 
that we are His and that we would be following hard after Him is that we would be a diverse community of worshipers. Yeah, we'd be all the other things we've talked about in this series too. We'd be generous. We'd be servants. We'd be hospitable. We'd be praying like crazy. We'd be walking towards outsiders. We'd be fluent with the gospel in word and in deed. But what people ought to see visibly when they look at this body is a diverse people who've been made family living out all of this stuff together. That would be the most visible thing that people would see in us that would be different. Because Jesus did more than just make us friends with people who are like us. He made us family with people who are unlike us. And that's the crazy part of the gospel. But here's what I want us to know this morning. Here's what I want you to get. That Christ before all things is necessarily expressed in diverse community. And life without a diverse community is life that's like missing out on one of the greatest gifts that we've been given in each other. And not just each other in this room, each other outside of this room. And we've rooted this whole series in Colossians, so we're going to start there again today. And I already mentioned chapter 3, 1 through 2. Paul doesn't say set your mind on things above. He says to set your minds on things above. It's not written to a person or an individual. It's a letter written to a church, a letter written to a community, a letter written to a body of people. And Paul talks about community a lot in terms of the body, right? He does it in Romans and in Corinthians, and he does it in Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. He says this in Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And Paul uses a similar language here in Colossians. Colossians 2, uh, 18-19 says this, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. You see, in both verses, in both of these passages, the sentiment is that part of our growth in Christ, part of our being presented as mature before Him, that's in chapter 128 in Colossians, we've talked a lot about being presented as mature before Him. In both of those passages, part of the sentiment is that part of that process, part of our growth, is in our togetherness with others in Christ. Right? It's in our community that we grow, that we are built up. And then Paul expands the idea of what that community might look like. He says this in uh, Colossians 3.11. He exhorts them towards diversity. 3.11. He says, Here, that's in this community, in this body of Christ, there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Now C.S. Lewis wrote that what Christ is doing in each of us is perfecting our nature. Right? It's the same idea as maturing us into Christ's likeness. He's, per- he's perfecting our nature. And he writes this. He says, if grace perfects nature, 
then grace must expand all our natures, must expand all our natures into the full richness of the diversity which God intended when he made them. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's trying to help us expand our natures back to like the factory settings, back to the way we were created, back before we were broken and reprogrammed to only seek community with people who look like us. Right? He's trying to expand our nature. He wants us to experience the full richness of the diversity which God intended for us. So this verse in 3.11 where it says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is a picture of the richness we're growing into. He's building us up together in Christ-likeness. He's perfecting our nature together. And this is a picture of what He's growing us up into. Towards glory. Toward looking more like His fully reconciled body. Right? We ought to be growing into the people we see in Revelations 5. Who are before the throne. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be worshiping, united and together worshiping Jesus in perfect unity. And we ought to be growing into a diverse community united by Christ. Like if we pray the Lord's Prayer, which we talked about a few weeks ago, if we pray the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we should be looking for reflections of heaven to be happening among us here on earth, right? I mean, that logic follows. If we're going to pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we should be looking for that be around us. We should be looking for heaven to be happening all around us on earth. We should be seeking to live a life that we will live eternally in heaven, which will be in a diverse community of worshipers of Jesus from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. See, Jesus, who is before all things and through whom, and through whom all things were created, made all of us different. We are all different, and He made us that way, and also He made us to be one in Him. And He's perfecting us. And if He's perfecting us, He wants our eyes open to what we're missing out on in our communities of sameness, right? He wants our eyes open to the riches that He has for us outside of our communities of sameness. Really, when we live in a city full of people that are unlike us, it actually should seem kind of odd for us to form a group of worshipers who are just like us, right? Who just like the same music we like, who just like the same foods we like, who like the same movies we like. It ought to be an odd thing for that to be what makes up our worshiping community because Jesus did more than make us friends with people who are like us. He made us family with people who are unlike us. I've read Colossians and over and over and over again through this. I believe that if Paul were to write us a letter at Redemption Church or write us a letter in the Church of Augusta, he would, he would lead us toward a diverse community of people who are continuing in the faith together. Colossians 1.23 says to continue in the faith together, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. And that's something he would call us to do together in a diverse community. I say all this, all this is to get to that if we aren't a community that is diverse, then we're actually missing out. 
If we're not a community that's diverse, it reflects the diversities of our neighborhood and of our city, then we'll be missing out. And honestly, the city we live in is missing out too if we miss out on that. Because the kind of community that a diverse community like that, something beautiful to behold. It's a reflection of heaven on earth. And there are riches and blessings in a community like that that we haven't even fathomed yet and that our city hasn't even fathomed yet and that they won't see if we aren't it. So maybe we would all say this. I think we would say, yeah, like we're for diversity. I don't think I'm talking to a bunch of people who hate diversity. I don't think that at all, right? I think we would say, yeah, we're for diversity in our body. We want that. At the very least, we wouldn't say we don't not want that, right? But the question is, is like, how do we do it? How do we, how do we become that? How do we do it? So here's what I want you to do. There's two things just from the Scripture. Number one is to put on the one another's of the Scripture. And then two is to let the scope of those included in the one another expand. Does that make sense? Put on the one another's, put on Christ, and do the things He says to do unto one another, and then let the scope of who you think of when you think of one another expand. Christ died for us and He rose again. He's before us in all things and in every way. And so we are called, Paul calls us in Colossians, to put our minds on things above and to put on Christ. And we can do it in and through Jesus Christ who's led the way for us. And it's Colossians Let's read Colossians 3, 12 through 17 and see what some of these look like, these one another's. It's just some of them. They're everywhere. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Right after saying about this diverse community, that it's not barbarian or Scythian or slave or circumcised or uncircumcised. It's all in Christ and Christ in all. He says, put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on them compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I want you to hear the good news here. If you're a believer, you're God's chosen holy and beloved. And He has given you everything you need. You can put Him on. You can have the life of Christ in you and you can one another in this way. And if you're not a a believer, you're invited to put off the old and put on the new, as Paul says in Colossians, and to follow Jesus Christ. You're invited to be in to be the holy and beloved, to be a child of God. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. But with the gift of Jesus Christ, you and I can walk 
in the way that Paul says to do in this passage. You can be compassionate. You can be kind and humble and meek and patient. When you're looking to Jesus first and seeking Him above all things, when He is before all things, you can bear with one another as you look to Christ. You can forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. You can see one another the way God sees them. You can see each other through the eyes of Christ that you are worth dying for and definitely worth loving. And it's that love that binds us together. You can be thankful and you can speak into one another's lives. And you can sing to one another and with one another and you can teach one another. It's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful way to live. It's what we all really think we want in the world, right? It's truly life. The way of the old self is sick and broken. It's dividing. It's dying. It's what we see all around us. But this is the stuff of the community in heaven that we're looking forward to. We can't fake it. And we can't get it from Alexa and Siri either, right? The call for us is to grow into our commitment to the one another's with each other. But it's also to let our definition for each other expand to include people it hasn't included before. People who aren't like us because Jesus did more than make us friends with people who are like us. He made us a family of people who are unlike us. So here's what's at stake. Like, What if we don't do this? What if we don't become a diverse community? What if we don't seek Christ first together as a community and expand our understanding of who we should do this with? So that we are a body of representatives, a body representative of the diversities of our neighborhood and of our city. What if we don't become that? Well, first, we aren't living, if we're just truthful, we aren't living the life that's fully rooted in the good news of Jesus. We aren't fully realizing what it means to be alive in Christ. We would be missing out. We aren't living in the reality of like His already not yet kingdom where what is going to be in heaven is coming to earth and His will is being done through us and in us on earth as it is in heaven. And we will be missing out. And our city will be missing out. And who knows who might be missing out on hearing the gospel. Who might be missing out on hearing Jesus and the good news of Jesus because of our lack of commitment to being the family of God. If He is the head, if Christ is the head and we are the body, but we refuse to push into looking more like Him, who's going to miss Him? Who will they be seeing if they're not seeing Christ? And we'll miss Him. And the lost around us will miss Him. See, there's riches to be reaped as we seek His will on earth as it is in heaven. Right? There's blessings that we're missing out on if we don't grow in this way. So I just hope that maybe we could just examine ourselves this morning. Who comes in the doors of the church and gets invited over? Who comes in the doors of the church and gets invited over to your house? Or better question, who comes in the doors and doesn't get invited over to the house? Who comes in the doors and doesn't get invited to missional community? Who comes in the doors and doesn't get the invite to go out to lunch after church or come to DNA or whatever it is? Who do you not invite into your group? Who do we not invite into our body, into this community? Who 
have we deemed would not be a good fit? Who do you not talk to at work? Who would you never invite to church? When we do the cookie thing at the common next week, which I assume all of you will be there to help make cookies, when we're down there at the parade making cookies, which families will come make cookies that we won't invite to our church? Which families will come make cookies that we would jump on and, and get them to come? Who can't we worship with because we like different music styles? Worship is about God. Right? Worship is about God, and the sweetest music for His ears comes from those who are laying aside their preferences in order to praise Him together because they've been made a family through Jesus Christ. So who can't we worship with because we, don't, we like different music? That makes no sense. Who are you afraid of? All I want is for us to just examine it and to think about it. Let's begin to talk to each other. Let's talk to others who aren't like us. Let's put on Christ. Let's push each other into the one another's of Scripture and let's expand our idea for what we should experience in the church and in the community here. Let's expand our idea for who we should be doing those one another's with. Because Jesus did more than make us friends with people like us. He made us a family with people who are unlike us. And that's really, really good news. We're going to move into a time of response this morning, like we do each week. Uh, and in this time, the band will come up and they'll lead us in some more song and, and praise together, and we'll sing praises to our King. And then also, in the back, there's an offering plate where you can give your tithes and offerings. Uh, we do that each week, and it's a way for us to obediently worship God uh, through, the, through our giving. If you don't bring a checkbook or whatever, of course, you can do it other ways. And there's instructions back there for you. Uh, but lastly, we also come and we come down these side aisles. and People will be up here to serve us communion. And you'll tear off bread and dip it in the wine of the juice. And when we do this, we are remembering Jesus and we're proclaiming Jesus. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was broken and shed for you. That through That through which he died and then he rose again, becoming the firstborn from the dead and has made a way for you to be presented holy and blameless before the Father. He did that. It's done. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And this is a time we remember that He is who He said He is, that He's done what He said He would do. So if you're a Christian, whether you're a member of Redemption Church or not, we invite you to come and take with us. Remember and proclaim that truth. If you're not a Christian, we ask that you not take, not because we don't like you or because we want to single you out, but because you can't say that. We want you to say that. So please hear what we are expressing and proclaiming in our actions. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. His way is good. His way is the way of life. And everything else is broken and dead. And you're invited to become a child of God. Would you pray with me? Our Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you for gathering your people together this morning to remember and proclaim Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that Jesus is lifted high among us this morning. I pray that you would turn our eyes to him, that you would help us to put our minds on things above where Jesus is seated, that you would help us to put our eyes on Christ, that we would seek him first, that we would have our hearts open to know what things we've been putting before Christ in our lives, and that we would remember that through the cross, 
and resurrection. Jesus is before all things. There is no other. There's nothing greater. There's no better purpose for us other than to look to Jesus and follow Him. Lord, I pray that You would make us into a, not just a community, not just a community of people who are like each other. That's a beautiful thing too. It's a beautiful thing for us to do the one another's of Scripture with people we like or who are like us, for sure. I thank You for that, but I pray, Lord, that You would expand that. As You perfect our nature, expand our nature to remember what You created us like, that You created us different, that you created us unlike each other, but that you created us to be one family of yours, that you created us to be children of God. Lord, like expand us in that, who we do the one another's with. Would you expand our community to be a diverse community, representative of the diversities of our neighborhood and of our city? And would you make this little body here be a light to our, to our cities and to our neighborhoods? Would this be, would we be Jesus to our neighborhood? Would they look at us and see Christ? Not Redemption Church, would they see Christ? And would they put, they would be invited to put you first. I pray that you prepare the way and that you open doors for the gospel in such a way in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.